everyone, you're listening to Superwoman. Today's guest, I am so excited and honored to interview. Her name is Shannon Watts. She's the founder of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, which is the leading force for gun violence prevention with chapters in all 50 states and a powerful grassroots network of moms that has successfully affected change at the local, state, and national level. Take a listen. Welcome. I'm so honored that you are on this podcast today because I met you at that event in LA um, that Ali Webb had hosted and, you know, have your book fight like a mother and just wanted to dive into first your story and, and hear about how you started, you know, this incredible organization and why. You know, I was a stay at home mom in 2012. I had been taking a few years off to, to blend my family with my, my husband's family. We have five kids all together and I was watching the news it was December 14th, 2012. And I saw that there was an, an active shooter in a place called Newtown, Connecticut, a place I'd never heard of. And like everyone else that day was just so in disbelief and so devastated that 20 children and six educators could be slaughtered in the sanctity of an American elementary school. But then that sadness turned into anger because I saw pundits and politicians saying, the solution was somehow more guns. If only those teachers had been armed, perhaps this crisis could have been averted. And I knew nothing about gun laws. I knew nothing about the legislative process. I knew nothing about organizing. I just knew that that was a lie. I knew that was wrong and that that I needed to somehow get involved. And I started a Facebook page. I'm not really sure who I thought I was talking to. I had 75 Facebook friends, but I started a page just saying, you know, as a, as a mom, as a woman in America, we've got to get involved. We've got to get off the sidelines on this issue. Thinking sort of like Mothers Against Drunk Driving, which, you know, was so influential to me in the 80s. And that was the genesis of, of what's become one of the largest grassroots movements in the nation. You know, I think some people always hold themselves back from doing something like, what am I going to do? I'm just a blah, right? But when you look at what, you know, you say you were working on, you know, the blending of your family, you were a mom. It's not like you had experience in policy change or even what gun control laws were. So what would be something that you could say from your, the years that you've been doing this that could help someone who's like, I want to get active. I don't know how, or I don't think that my voice would have an impact. I think I'm proof positive, you know, that, that if a, if a suburban mom from rural Indiana can uh, help start a, a movement like Moms Demand Action, Anyone in this country, and, and particularly I think women, can and should use their voices to get involved in an issue that they care passionately about, whether it's a nationwide effort or or even just in their own neighborhood. Um, and, and look, I've learned so much. In fact, I, I wrote a book about it called Fight Like a Mother that I wanted to put on paper how we did this so that that others could do the same. But I would say some of the important lessons I learned was, first of all, just jump in. You can't wait until you have all your T's crossed and all your I's dotted, which I frankly think is something specific to women that we often feel we have to be perfect and know everything. We're afraid of failing. Um, if I had waited until I knew everything there was to know about this issue or organizing or 
the legislative process, I still wouldn't have started Moms to Be in Action. I certainly was drinking from a fire hose those first few years. But you have to you have to really seize the moment. And the other thing I would say is you have to build a plane while you fly it. I, I trusted perfect strangers from across the country who brought different skill sets than I had. And, and together, we helped create this movement. Um, a lot of that was done online on Zoom calls, which, you know, we've come full, full circle now with the pandemic. But I, I trusted other people who, who brought unique sets of skills to the table. And together we worked on this and, and created something that I believe will last into perpetuity. And again, it was a, an act of faith. And I, I think that we have to just sort of jump in sometimes. Totally. I do. I do think that unfortunately women seem to be prone to having it all be perfect. And I'm kind of a, I'm kind of the same, like build the plane as you fly it type of lady. I think that's the only reason I got to where I did. I'd love to touch on the notion of gun control because some people hear this word and they go, oh, she's against guns, right? Or guns are our second amendment, right? And I don't, at least from what I gather from everything I've studied and researched, it's not about banning guns as a person's, you know, fundamental rights. It's about more gun safety laws. You know, I know in Japan, you have to almost take, I don't know, an ungodly amount of hours of classes. You have to study, you have to take a test. It's like getting a driver's license, right? So by the time you do get the gun, you know, you've passed a lot of series of checkpoints where we could have flagged people, you know, who have mental instability or, or have, you know, tendency toward violence. So Will you talk a little bit about, you know, your views on this and that it's yeah. not necessarily take away all of our guns, but let's be a lot more smart. Let's make it harder to get a gun than it is to uh, get your driver's license, for instance. Right. You know, the, that's always the the accusation or the charge is that we are anti-gun and nothing could be further from the truth. Many of our volunteers are gun owners or their partners are gun owners this is simply about restoring the responsibilities that should go along with gun rights that have been eroded. Because something we have that no other high-income country has is a gun lobby. And we've essentially allowed gun lobbyists to write our gun laws for decades. And having a 25 times higher gun homicide rate is really the logical outcome of that. Uh, and, and so when you look at um, polling, about 90% of Americans support stronger gun laws, like a background check on every gun sale about 80% of gun owners, and about 74% of NRA members. This is not a polarizing issue among the American public. The issue has been that one of the most wealthy, most powerful special interests that's ever existed has had its way with our federal and state lawmakers for so long. And we have to undo that conditioning. We have to show them that when they do the right thing, we'll have their back. And when they do the wrong thing, we'll have their job. And, and that's a process, right? It takes several election cycles to change that dynamic. And so that's exactly what we've been working on for eight years is very common sense things like a background check on every gun sale or keeping guns away from domestic abusers or secure gun storage. These are things that the vast majority of Americans agree on. Yeah, I think that's the point that's often I feel like the media doesn't do a good job because there are so many lobbyists, whether it's, you know, like you said, the gun lobbyists or pharma, right? They have the biggest uh, funds that, than any other, you know, they get the lion's share of, of what happens and how our laws are passed. 
if they have the senator's ear, unfortunately. So what can people do to get active with Moms Demand Action? Um, I know you have 50 chapters around the U.S., but would love to hear like how people can begin to get involved. We have a, a chapter in every single state of the country, and we also have local groups. Um, if there's not one where you live, you can certainly start one. And it's a, an incredible way to learn um, the skills of being an activist. And, and there's all kinds of ways to get involved, legislative, working on corporate work, even faith outreach. There's so many different ways to to be involved and plugged in as a Moms Demand Action volunteer. We're also not just moms and women. We're mothers and others. Um, and we have Students Demand Action now. So if anyone wants to get involved, they can just text the word READY to 64433. And we have volunteers who spend their days reaching out to, to people who are interested in plugging in. And we'll show you a way to get involved where you live. And obviously, most of the work we're doing right now is online. But you can still be incredibly effective. In fact, what we have found during the pandemic is that these technologies that we use allow us to be more inclusive and more equitable. Um, and so I don't think we'll ever go back to the old way of just doing everything offline. Being able to, to join in, in phone banks and text banks and, and Zoom rallies. I mean, all of those things have been really the connective tissue for so many of us during this, this time of isolation. So wherever you live, we'll make sure that you can get involved. Yeah. And one thing I didn't realize is a stat that, you know, is on your site. According to the CDC, firearms are the leading cause of death for American children and teens. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like if more people knew that we would be locked down due to that versus uh, COVID, <laughs> you know, as a mother of three, you know, I, I remember when I was seeing so much gun violence in the news and I was like, is my school next? Right. And that's a feeling that no mother should ever have to experience. Why do you think this epidemic, it's all over the world, but it's, it seems to be most highlighted in America. Well, we know why. And that's because Americans have such easy access to guns. There are about 400 million guns in this country and too few gun laws. And as a result, as I mentioned, we have the highest rate of gun homicide of any high income country. We also have a horrible crisis of gun suicide, about 25,000 gun suicides in this country every year because it is such a lethal form of, of suicide. And that includes among teens and children as well. And that is rising. We expect there to be about five to 7,000 additional gun suicides this year because of the pandemic and the gun sales that we've seen and also people feel, feeling isolated um, and worried about their, their economic welfare. And we know that secure storage is, is a big part of saving lives by gun suicide, but also unintentional shootings. You know, we're the only country where children are able to get a gun and unintentionally shoot themselves or someone else. And that's because some states don't even require permitting or training to have a gun. So we do a lot of work through a program called Be Smart. And it shows people how to securely store their firearm, locked, unloaded, separate from ammunition. And it also uh, teaches parents how to ask friends and family about responsible gun storage when they send their kids to other people's homes. That's great. I know when you spoke at the event in LA, which seems like 100 years ago, <laughs> even <laughs> though I think it was just one year ago, Yep. You mentioned feeling, you know, having to overcome some of the anger uh, with people that misunderstand what you do or the threats that you've received. Do you mind going into some of the challenges that come with standing up yeah. for something and, and, you know, taking a stand against something such as guns and really the NRA? 
I never imagined that this underbelly of America existed when I started Moms Demand Action because all of my information was public because I, I didn't realize I would become a public figure. In addition to all the outpouring of support and help from random people across the country, I also received threats of death and sexual violence to me and to my daughters on email, text, on calls, people even driving past my home. Uh, we had to call the police. And, you know, it was a, early on, I had to make a decision, you know, do I, do I double back or double down? And our volunteers across the country had to make the same decision because they were showing up at marches and rallies for Moms Demand Action and they were being confronted by armed people, mostly men, uh, you know, holding semi-automatic rifles who, who wanted to silence and intimidate them. And look, if we lose our children, we have nothing left to lose. So you know, these these men were really wrong when they thought they could stop our movement from going forward. If anything, I think it highlights how dangerous our gun laws are that you can try to undermine democracy and silence and intimidate people with guns in this country. And we're seeing it at state houses now during the pandemic. Uh, we're seeing it at, at rallies all summer about the, the killing of, of black men in this country. So I really think they've defeated themselves by showing that, you know, they aren't responsible gun owners. And in fact, they're perverting the Second Amendment um, and using it against the First Amendment. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it like that, but that's exactly what they're doing. I also want to underline what you're saying, which is any social change, any push forward is going to require sacrifice or, you know, unfortunately, being brave, like you've been, you know, with death threats, with, you know, getting your family threatened, which has got to be incredibly scary. And I think that sometimes, I think also as women, you know, maybe we're afraid to say something or make people uncomfortable. And I think, you know, you've shown that you've done that and more, you know, and, and the work you're doing outrises, you know, the threats. But I think it goes without saying that, you know, sometimes this does happen and we have to be willing to sort of okay, change needs to be made. This is the sacrifice. And there's incredible examples of women, you know, prior to you that have done this as well. But just just for the people listening to say, okay, if you want change, you really have to do things that might put you in incredibly uncomfortable situations, unfortunately. You know, there's a section of your site that makes me tear up, which is the story section, which is mm. not, <laughs> go there if you need to cry. Um, <laughs> Because I think that so many of the stories were preventable, right? It it wasn't just uh, two angry men killing each other. It was, you know, a mother losing her son or a, you know, a two-year-old. Do you have any stories that maybe would resonate with our listener who definitely um, a lot of our listeners are women, almost of them are, and some have kids, but just how unfortunate the situation can be? Well, you know, first of all, I, I want to say that I work every day side by side with gun violence survivors who are heroic, right? They've taken their pain and they're turning it into purpose and, and protecting other people from experiencing the same horrific tragedy that their families have. And, and that is heroic, um, that they're getting involved in this work despite that, that pain. But I guess I would love to tell a, an inspirational story, and, and that is the story of Lucy McBath. Uh, Lucy's son, Jordan Davis, was shot and killed at a gas station in Florida while he was in a car with his teen friends picking up some gum before they were going to go uh, find some some girls to talk to. 
And uh, a white man pulled up at the gas station, middle-aged man, and said their music was too loud and they got into a fight and the man opened fire and he killed Jordan instantly. And Lucy was obviously just devastated, but also knew that she needed to act to make sure this didn't happen to others, particularly black and brown boys. And she started using her voice with Moms Demand Action. Um, and, and eventually she became our, our national spokeswoman and a friend to me. Um, and, and every time we spoke, I would always say at the end of our conversation, hey, Lucy, when are you running for office? And you know, thinking, okay, she'll run for, for state house in Georgia. And one day she called me and she said, I've decided to run and, and I'm actually running for Congress. I'm running for a seat held by Republicans for over three decades. It's Newt Gingrich's old seat. And I thought, wow, that's really brave. <laughs> and she'll learn a lot, but I'm not sure I thought that she would be successful. And by God, she was. She is now a congresswoman in Georgia. And I, I'm certain she'll be reelected in November. And she has authored some of the most sweeping gun reform legislation that's ever been passed by the House of Representatives. Now, it's sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk, and it's why we have to have a Senate and a president that will pass the same kind of, of legislation. But I, I just think Lucy's story is so compelling and inspirational. And, and it really does go to show that we need more women to run for office. And we need more women to use their voices and their votes um, and on this issue and, and all issues. Because, you know, as the, the saying goes, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're probably on the menu. 100%. Yeah, I think we're putting this episode out and it is election day today. And so I think, you know, voting is key. We partnered with Vote Run Lead on initiative, you know, just to get, you know, not only get more people voting, but training women how to run, which I think is key. And I know you have a partner organization that you guys work with as well. Just because, I, you know, I have to hope that we have uteruses, whether we use them or not. You know, there has to be something in us that says, okay, we're going to lead differently. We're, we're going to lead from a different perspective and we're going to lead better. So what would you say to those on such a key day who are maybe uncertain about voting? What would you say? The, the only way we have a voice in elections is often through our vote. And if you look at the makeup of, of lawmakers in this country, only about 25% of lawmakers are women. Only about 5% of Fortune 1000 CEOs are women. So we're not directly making the policies and the laws that impact the safety of our families. And, and so when you look at the levers of power that we can pull that are available to us, that includes our vote, but it also includes our spending power. It's, it's one of the reasons Moms Demand Action has put so much pressure on American companies. So there, until we have equal representation, until we have 50%, um, at least, then then those are the levers of power that we can pull. And there are others too. But it's also why I am constantly encouraging women to run for office. I'm on the board of Emerge America, which is a great training program for progressive women. I don't care if you want to run for, for coroner or sheriff or city council or school board or state house, whatever it is. I think women in this country have a moral imperative right now to consider how they can contribute. And that is an incredibly important way to do so. Totally. I love it. So where where can people find you, support you, get involved? So if you want to go to momsdemandaction.org, you can find lots of information there on, on plugging in and supporting the organization and getting involved. We have a Facebook page and then a Facebook page for every single state. 
Our Twitter handle is at Moms Demand, as is our Instagram handle. And then I'm at Shannon R. Watts, both on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I could talk to you all day. Um, You're you're beyond inspirational. And thank you for the work you do to keep children and, and families safe. Thank you. 